Well, I'm really excited for, uh, for atmosphere. I'm really excited for, um, for today. Um, you guys ready? Okay, why don't we pray? Um, would you guys join me in prayer? You guys can stand or sit, however you guys feel comfortable. But, um, but join me in prayer. <sighs> Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you so much, Holy Spirit, for, for what you've done already, Lord, with this conference. I thank you so much for the way that you've already moved, Holy Spirit. You're just so amazing, and we're just so ready. Lift up your hands today and, and tell the Holy Spirit that you're ready to receive. If you are ready to receive, why don't you just tell him right now that you are ready to receive. Holy Spirit, I am ready to receive and pour out. I am ready to receive, Holy Spirit. Our hearts are willing and our minds are ready to listen, Lord. Our ears are open, God. And we're just so ready to receive this word that you have for us, Holy Spirit. We thank you. We ask that you guide us, that you be the moving force today, that you be the moving, the moving word today, Holy Spirit, because we don't want to move if you're not moving. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just use me. I'm your vessel. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm willing. Um, I just, I thank you, Holy Spirit. And let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Can you guys say that with me? Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do this. <laughs> so I'm just going to get back. I mean, I'm just going to get right into it. Um, I'm going to be talking about Levi or Matthew. So we're going to be reading out of Matthew 9 today, but before we get into the word, I want to give you some backstory. So um, let me give you the backstory as to what's going on here. So Matthew, or Levi, he's a tax collector. You guys know what the tax collectors were back in the day? You guys know? Okay, so the tax collectors basically were Israelite men who worked for Rome. And these men were appointed to collect taxes from the Israelites, from God's people. So they were supposed to collect taxes from the Israelites to pay Rome. You guys follow me? Okay. But what would happen with these tax collectors is that they would, they would charge a little extra and like put it in their back pocket and keep it for themselves. So a lot of them were, were thieves. They would rob uh, the people of Israel. They would rob their own people and overcharge them taxes to keep the extra for themselves. And so it was a known thing. I don't know why anyone, like, why no one didn't do anything, but it was pretty known that they did that. It was pretty well known that they were, they were not the most honest people. And so I want you guys to imagine this with me. So we have Levi here, and he's, he's a tax collector. And he's sitting at his table collecting taxes. And what's, what's happening at this time is Jesus, he just finished healing a, a paralytic man. He just finished healing a paralytic man, and he's just walking around the town. He's just taking a stroll with his disciples, just like you would take a walk around the block. He was walking around the block with his friends just... He just finished doing a miracle. He's just walking normally. You guys with me? Okay. So he's walking normally, and he just stops. And this is the way I see it. He stops, and he makes eye contact with Levi. And it's like his eyes penetrate Levi's soul. 
his eyes make eye contact with Levi. So Jesus looks at Levi. Levi looks at Jesus, and they have this moment. And Jesus says, follow me. And Levi leaves his post. He leaves his job to follow Jesus. I could preach about that, but we'll talk about that next year. Um, so Levi, I just want to kind of give you like a little, a little more information on him. You know, he was, he, he was a tax collector. He had his career set. Later, we're going to read about his home. He had a house. He had his career. I'm sure he had a wife. Um, but he had his life set. He had his job set. But there must have been something missing in his life in order for him to leave what he had so quickly. There was something missing in his life. And that's why when Jesus said, come, follow me, he was quick to leave his post and follow him. He knew that there was nothing in his life that was more important than what was about to happen in his life by following Christ. You guys get me? You guys with me? Okay. So let's go to, um, let's go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. So uh, Levi, or Matthew, was so excited about what happened that he invited Jesus over to his home. He invited Jesus to his home, and his friends were wondering, like, hey, why did you just leave your job? Like, what is it about Jesus that got you to just get up and leave? Like, what is it? So I'm sure Levi was like, you know, just stop by my house, and we'll find out. He's going to be there. So they're at his house, and this is what's happening. So verse 10. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came in and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So let's keep reading verse 12. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's actually keep reading. Verse 15. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, 14. Thanks, boo. You got me. Um, verse 14, then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor, they put new, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So there's a couple of things happening here, but primarily what's happening is that 
the Pharisees and John's disciples are questioning Jesus. You guys caught, did you guys catch that? They're questioning Jesus because they don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand or, or trust in what Jesus is doing. Jesus is celebrating Matthew right now. Matthew just made this incredible life choice. And he invited Jesus and some of his friends over to his home. And I'm sure that's what's happened. That what I'm sure that what's happening is that Jesus is not only speaking life into Matthew, but he's speaking life into his friends. Jesus is doing what matters. Jesus is doing what he came to do, which which is what he said here. He came to to help the sick. These men are 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 basically the new wineskins that he needs to pour new wine into because they didn't have this religious mindset like the Pharisees did or John's disciples did. The Pharisees and John's disciples, they had these rules on them. They had these these boxes around them, these rituals that they had to live by. But but Matthew and his friend, they didn't. They didn't have a religion. They didn't they didn't live religiously. They were the opposite. <laughs> And, and, and Jesus decided that it was worth his time to spend moments with them, talking to them, pouring into them. And that is what he was doing. But the outsiders, the people looking from the outside in, the religious people, they couldn't get it. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing. The point is, is that they didn't trust Jesus. They didn't trust him. I, I want you to think about this. When, when you trust Jesus, when you know him and you trust him, you know that what he is doing is right. If you trust Jesus, when Jesus move, moves right, or where, what am I, left? When Jesus moves left, you're not going to sit there and say, hey, Jesus, why are you moving left? Don't you know that I need you to the right? Why are you moving left? If you trust Jesus, you're going to say, he's moving left because he has to move left. Because left is where he needs to be. That's what happens when you trust Jesus. How many of you guys trust Jesus? Oh, come on. How many of you guys trust Jesus? Yes. So these people didn't trust him. They didn't know him. And that's why they were questioning his motives, questioning what he was doing. They didn't understand who he was. Jesus is saying to these men, he's, 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 he's explaining it to them with parables, and he's saying to them, this is what he's saying, he's saying, I have come to make things new. I, I have come to make old things new. Jesus came to, to change the world. This happened right after he, had, he, had, he has been baptized already. He has started his ministry already. He's already doing the work that he came to do. That is what he's doing here. He's come to make things new. He's come to take the new wine and put it into new wineskins. Do you guys understand why he can't put new wine into old wineskins? The Bible says that if he puts new ideas into an old mentality, that old mentality cannot accept it. That old mentality won't take it. It can't take it in. It breaks apart. So he needs, he wants, he, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get the disciples, he's trying to get the, the Pharisees to renew their mind, to change the way they think, so that he can pour the newness that he came to bring, so that he can pour that into them. That is what he is trying to do. And he gives them four examples of it. 
but they still don't get it. But that's okay. Jesus is speaking life into Levi and his friends. Um, and he answers questions for them, I'm sure. And what happens is that <clears throat> Jesus is doing what matters. And here comes these men to ask questions, to kind of interrupt his move. And what happens with us sometimes is that sometimes we don't trust Jesus. So we sometimes interrupt his move because we, we are filled with doubt. Because we start wondering, Jesus, why hasn't this happened for me yet? Why, ha why haven't I received that promotion yet? You know, I hear Kevin Merrill getting checks in the mail. How come I'm not getting checks in the mail? Where are my checks at? I got a check in the mail the other day, by the way. Just thought I'd share that. But, you know, you think, like, where is my check in the mail? You know, where is my promotion? Where is my job? Where is my new car? You know, we think about those things, and, and we ask Jesus. Like, I've been asking you, for example, like, one thing that I've gone through is, is uh, oh, should I say it? Oh, man, I don't know if I can say it. Well, okay, I'll say it. I'm going to expose myself. Don't judge me. Look away. Don't look at me. Um, you know, there's times where I've asked God for, well, no, there's not times. I have asked God for certain things, specifically one thing. And what happens is, is that when I see other people blessed with the thing that I desire so dearly, I kind of hate a little bit. I hate, I, I hate a lot of it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I hate, I, I hate, and I was telling Mario, I hate being a hater. Like, I don't want to be a hater. I don't want to hate, I want to be happy for, for people and celebrate their joy. Because when I have that moment, I want people to celebrate my joy with me. And so that's one thing that I've been telling God, like, God, please remove all of my haterness. I don't want it. <laughs> and for any of you haters, ask God the same thing. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. <laughs> Got to share that with you. So, yeah, that happens to me sometime. And honestly, like the other day, I, I, when was it, like Monday or something, I, I sat in my bed and I was crying to God and I was telling him, God, but when me? Like, why, why me? Like, when is it going to be my turn? Like, like when is this going to happen for me? When? Like, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired. And then uh, I started preparing, like I started reading my verses a little bit and, and I, I said, okay, okay, I, I need to trust you. Like, I need to trust God. I need to trust that you have everything under control. And if I trust in who you are, if I believe that Jesus is Jesus, if, if I believe that he is Lord of Lords, then why am I stressing? Why am I hating? Why am I worried? If he has got it, if, he, if he's master of the universe, not he, man, but him, he's master of the universe. You guys didn't catch that. You guys didn't grow up in the 80s. Or did you? Yeah? All right. He, man. Shira, um, yeah, I, I, I need to trust in him. He has it all under control. So we need to trust in him, not be uh, Pharisees and John's people. Uh, we're going to be Jesus' people. Amen? Um, what else do I read you now? Okay. You guys still with me? Okay, I want to tell you one more thing. Um, the, the, the disciples of John, specifically them, um, it's crazy. I noticed that they, um, 
they were amazed by some of Jesus's acts and, and wonders and things like that. They were amazed by it. I don't know if you guys remember, but they actually go to Jesus after Jesus is baptized, and they're kind of like trying to follow Jesus. Do you guys remember that? They're, they're kind of like trying to, trying to go with like the excitement. They get excited. They get like really like pumped and excited. But what Jesus wants is Jesus doesn't necessarily want excitement from us. He wants us to be excited, you know, by him, for him, but he doesn't want it to be just excitement. Do you guys get me? What happens with excitement is that excitement fades, but trust is sustained. Trust sustains. Excitement will fade. When you see a sign and wonder happen and, you put your, and you're excited about it and, and it, it doesn't go beyond the, the giver, but it goes on the, just on the gift, on just what happened, then that's going to fade because you're going to forget, especially with us. Especially us nowadays that, I mean, Mario and I were talking about this. I don't have a Snapchat. I don't need another line of social media to keep up with. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't need it in my life. Um, but it's, it's funny, we were talking about how people go on Snapchat and they, they capture moments, right? But those moments, don't they fade? Like, they don't even stay on there. Come back to Instagram, guys! <laughs> Things stay on Instagram! <laughs> so... We don't want to be swayed by trends. We don't want to be swayed by emotions and amazed. I don't want to walk around amazed temporarily, but I want to be sustained by the trust that I have in my Jesus. Amen? Okay, amen. Um, <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> That's good. Um, let's go to verse 18. Before that, let's take a deep breath. I need to drink some water. This part is my favorite. You guys ready? Okay, so Matthew 9, verse 18 says, I'm so excited, but the eternal excitement. <laughs> Okay, verse 18. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose, followed him, and so did his disciples. And I'm going to read this again. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. This is what I read that really, really inspired me. Um, okay, let me just get into it. <laughs> Did you guys know that there hadn't been a resurrection? Uh, th there isn't a resurrection um, written down in the Bible since Second of Kings. Like the, the time, like a little bit after David, 
since that time, there hadn't been any resurrections. Like, there are no resurrections happening in Israel. So for this man to believe that is pretty awesome. For this man to come in with that amount of faith, for him to have that idea is pretty, pretty amazing. Let's talk about this ruler. This ruler, his, his daughter dies. His daughter is, is dead. And what happens is he says, he says, not my daughter, not my baby girl. She's not going to die on me. I am not going to accept this. I'm not accepting this. For a lot of us, death, the, the reality of death is pretty absolute. Death is absolute, right? In our, in our days, from what we see here on the West, death is pretty absolute. We don't really see resurrections happening over here. We don't see that happening. So for us, death is pretty absolute. I love flowers. And when my flowers die, my flowers are dead. And I have to throw them away and toss the water and hopefully get some new flowers next week if it's in the budget. <clears throat> but when my flowers die, my flowers are gone. Death is pretty absolute, but not for this man. For this man, death wasn't the all, like, the end. Like, death didn't have the last call. This man had a big problem, so he needed a big solution. He had a big problem, so he needed a big solution in his life. He needed a, he needed a big someone to come and, and fix what was happening. So back in these days, this man, he couldn't like just log on to Facebook and, be, and like check where Jesus' last check-in was. Matthew's house, got it. <laughs> like he couldn't do that. Like there was no, no notification to come up and say, Jesus just checked in with Matthew and tagged, I don't know, John, Peter, and whoever else. Like that didn't happen. He couldn't log in and do that. So this man had something else that he needed to do. Now, when Jesus moved around at that time, people knew about it because it's Jesus. Like, people knew. People kept tabs on him. When Jesus was in so-and-so's house, people knew about it. When Jesus turned water into, into wine, you better believe people knew about it and were like, where's he going to next? Right? Come on. Some of us would be there, too. <laughs> people kept up with Jesus. They knew where he was. He was, you know, people who were in, like, the social scene knew where Jesus was at, knew where he moved to, and things like that. But this man was not involved in, in any social scene at the moment because he was at home taking care of his daughter. He was at home tending to his sick daughter who ended up dying on him. That's where he was. That's his perspective. He doesn't know where Jesus is hanging out. He, he's at home with his daughter. And so what this man had to do is, he said, I need the, the ultimate fixer in my house right now. Like, I need Jesus Christ to come into my house right now to fix this problem because I'm not accepting this. This is not absolute for me. So this man goes. 
He goes from town to town, street to street, like however it worked back then. He went, he went asking around. He said, hey, um, I don't know. Hey, do you know where I can find Jesus? I really, really need Jesus. I need him. I, I have a problem. He's the only one that has the answer. Where can I find him? And this person's like, oh, well, I heard he's like maybe over there in Judea, I think. I think he's in Judea. Maybe you should check Judea. All right, so the man goes. He goes to Judea. And in Judea, he comes across someone else and he says, hey, they told me that you might know where Jesus is at. I really need Jesus. I have a big problem at home. He's the only one that can fix it. Where's Jesus? Like, point me to him. And they say, well, I think he's over there at Levi's house. I think that's where he is. And he says, okay. So he goes to Levi's house and he, this is how I imagine it. I imagine it. He comes into the door and he's like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really sorry to interrupt your party. And you guys are having a gathering. I'm sure he like knocks at the door and he says, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I, I'm just looking for Jesus. Is Jesus here? Can, can, I, can I find Jesus here? Because you see, I have a big problem and he's the only one that can fix it. I have a, a, a big issue that, he, that I need him to come take care of. He's the only one that can help me out with this. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but is Jesus here? And he sees Jesus. Jesus sees him. And he runs to Jesus. He does like a beeline to Jesus. And he worships him. He falls at his feet and he worships Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one that can help this man. And the problem that he has. Only Jesus. Can you tell your neighbor, only Jesus. Only Jesus. The ruler, he doesn't waste time and say, hey, but wait a minute, Ho hold up. Before you go, why are you at Matthew's house? It didn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that Jesus is at Matthew's house. What matters is that Jesus is Jesus, and we need him. He needed him. So Jesus stands up. Can you guys say, Jesus stands up? This ruler, he came in with faith. He came in with purpose and determination. He was determined. He had a plan. He had a problem, he needed a solution, the solution is Jesus, I'm going to find Jesus, when I find Jesus, I'm going to bring him to my problem so that he can fix it. He came in with faith, purpose, and determination. If you guys are writing notes, please write that down because you guys need to remember that. Faith, purpose, and determination. That is what this man came with. He trusted who Jesus, in who Jesus was. He didn't need Jesus to prove himself to him. He didn't need Jesus to do anything but follow him. His faith was already there. His belief was already there. Jesus didn't have to prove anything to him because Jesus was already everything for him. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But I want to be 
that person that goes to Jesus and gets him to stand up. That's who I want to be. I want to be that person that, search, that searches out for Jesus. The Bible says, ask, seek, and knock. And I want to ask, seek, and knock at his door. I want to be that person that is looking for him, that has found him, because he is the solution to every problem. He has the answer to every question that I can imagine. I want to come to him with faith, purpose, and determination so that he can stand up and move with me. You guys follow me? I feel like my husband right now got a little loud. You rubbed off on me. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 19. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment, for she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be Sorry, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. From that hour. So the ruler comes to Jesus. And because he doesn't, he doesn't waste time having Jesus explain to him who he is, Jesus can stand up and move. So this ruler, I want you guys to pay attention to this. This ruler, he gets Jesus to stand up and move. And now Jesus is moving. Can you tell your neighbor Jesus is moving? All right. So Jesus is moving now. And because he is moving, that woman with the blood was able to put her faith into action and be healed. If that man hadn't gone to Jesus with that determination, I'm confidently saying that that woman wouldn't have been healed. If Jesus hadn't, if that man hadn't stood, hadn't stood up and sought out Jesus and got Jesus to stand, that woman wouldn't have received her healing because Jesus wouldn't have been put into motion. So what happened is, is that the man the ruler got Jesus to stand and move. The woman was able to then place her faith, put her faith into action, and receive healing for that. Faith activates movement. Faith activates movement. And what these two individuals were doing is, is, that, that, is that they were putting their faith on display, which created Jesus to move. It got Jesus to move. Faith activates movement. Let's keep reading. Verse 23. Okay. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room for the girl, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. 
and they ridiculed him. Okay, so Jesus comes into the house, the ruler's house, because that's, that's where he was going. He goes into the house, and he finds people playing the flute and crying. And he tells him, oh, no, no, don't worry. Like, it's okay. First of all, I'm here. It's okay. Don't worry. She's just sleeping. But guess what? Guess what? <laughs> Thank you. These people didn't know Jesus either. These people didn't understand who Jesus was. These people didn't know who was standing inside of their house. So they doubted and they ridiculed him because they didn't know who he was. So what happened here is that you have faith in action, you have faith moving, and here comes doubt. Doubt stops faith. Doubt stops movement. And so let, let's look at what happened to doubt. Verse 24. Uh, he said to them, make, sh make room for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. And this is, this is what happens to doubt. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. Doubt needed to be put outside because there was a movement happening that couldn't be stopped. There was a movement happening that couldn't be interrupted. We can't let doubt stop our movement. We can't let doubt come in and stop our faith. So Jesus, he had doubt put outside and he continued to move. Some of us in here, and I know I'm going to speak to a lot of you. Some of you in here, including me, but some of you in here have had things that you've got asked for. You've asked for God. You've asked God for things in your life that you haven't seen happen. You haven't seen things, things happen for you in maybe the time that you want it to happen. You see it happen for everybody else, but you say, you know what, Jesus, when is my turn? Is it just not going to happen for me? Should I just like... I don't know, like, just forget about it. And what has happened is that doubt has crept into your heart and your faith has been put to sleep. A lot of you in here are walking around with, with your faith asleep. But it's okay. Tell your neighbor, it's okay. It's okay because Jesus is in this room right now and he is moving. And if you are willing, if you are willing, he's going to lay his hand over you right now and wake you up. Because your faith is not dead. It has been merely sleeping. But if you are willing, he can wake it up. Somebody say, wake up. Wake up. Doubt stops movement. We don't want doubt in this place. We don't have room for doubt. When we trust in Jesus, there's no room for doubt. When we trust in, in, in Yeshua, we were singing Yeshua, when we trust in him, there's no questioning. Because he's got it. And if he's got it, then he's got us. Let's, let's keep reading. Verse 25. Let's read that again. And they ridiculed him, 
But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took, the, took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out in all the land. Excitement and buzz. This was the real BuzzFeed, guys. 20, verse 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when Jesus had come into the house, the blind men came to him and said, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you guys remember what I was telling you about excitement? Jesus didn't like excitement because excitement doesn't last. Excitement fades. So he didn't want to perform another exciting thing for these men so that it could fade. So that it would just fade with, with whatever, with your last post on Snapchat. He didn't want it to fade. So he asked them this question. He said, do you believe that I am able to do this? Or do you believe in who I am? And because you believe in who I am, you trust that I can do what others can't do. Do you believe that I am able to do this, he said. But what he was really saying, what Jesus was really saying is that do you believe in me? Do you believe in me or do you believe in the miracles? Do you believe in me or do you believe in the excitement, the commotion? What do you believe in? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm so into this. They said, yes, Lord. They believed in who he was. Then Jesus, verse 29, then Jesus touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus, this is so funny. <laughs> and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows. See that no one knows about this. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. <laughs> Jesus didn't want to create like this stirring of emotions. He wanted each encounter to be real, to be genuine, to be because they believed him, because they wanted him. Not what he could give, but him. They wanted him. Sometimes I find myself, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with Andy Mineo, but I, he said this lyric and it really, really touched me. He said, I talk about you more than I talk to you. And sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I feel like we can talk about God left and right. I can talk about Jesus till like my face turns blue. But am I talking to him? Like is it about him or about what he can do for me? I remember Kevin was saying, he wasn't saying this yesterday, but he was saying, he was saying it, he said it. Um, he said this, he said, um, he said that we find ourselves asking God, just keep, just, we just keep asking him for things and asking him for things. But do we ever stop and just praise him for being him? It's okay to ask him for things. But are we, are we asking him for him? Are we going to him for who he is and not for what he can do? Let me tell you something. 
Jesus Christ already did everything that he had to do for you. Everything that he ever had to do for you, he already did it by dying on that cross. He did it already. Everything else is the cherry on top. Everything else is because he loves us that much more. Let's read verse 32. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the, multi and the multitudes marveled, saying, it has never been like this in Israel. So the ruler, because of his faith, got Jesus to move. The woman with the blood, because of her faith, got Jesus to move more. The, the blind men, because they believed in who Jesus was, got Jesus to continue moving. And because Jesus continued moving, he went healing other people. Like how it, how, like how it hadn't been seen in Israel before. Because of faith, all of this happened. Because of faith, Jesus moved. I just, I just need to like thank Jesus really quick. I don't know if you guys want to thank him with me. <sighs> thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good, Jesus. We want to keep your movement here. We want to keep you moving in here, Jesus. I want to feel you move. I want to see you move. I want to be part of that movement. I let go of my doubt today. I let go of my doubt and I embrace trust. I embrace who you are. Let's read verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for, for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, into his harvest. Jesus went moving, and he healed everybody in his sight. Everybody he came across, he healed. He was moved by them. He saw them scattered and weary. I want you to think about something, church. I want, you to, I want you to do me a favor and close your eyes. And I want you to picture or imagine how many people are out in our city, weary and scattered. How many people are out there weary and scattered, like sheep with no shepherd? There's a lot of people out there. There is a lot of people out there that don't know Jesus but need him. Can you guys imagine 
what our cities would look like if we put our faith into action? Can, can you guys imagine what this, this, this city, what Montebello, what Los Angeles, what Downey, what Long Beach, what, what Bellflower, what people would look, what our cities would look like if we took this movement that's stirring in here out there to those who are weary and scattered? It only takes one person to start a movement. It only takes one person. It only took that one ruler that sought Jesus, that found out, that saw, that realized that he had a big problem and Jesus was the solution. He realized that. And it just took him to go to Jesus and get him to move. It just took him. It only takes one person to start this movement. Only one person. Some of us, we've been sleeping in here. We've been really comfortable in our chair and in our routine. And some of us have become old wineskin. But what Jesus wants to do is Jesus wants to come bring something new. He wants to bring something new into us. He wants to wake us up. Because there are people out there. If you guys just look out there, there might not be literal people out there right now, but symbolically, like, just look out there. There's, there's people out there who are dying, who are in need of, of what we have in here. And it only takes one of you to get up and move. And it sparks the rest of us. Have you guys ever seen a still body of water? A still body of water, if you cast a stone in it, it creates ripples. If you get someone else to cast another stone, it creates more ripples. And, keep and you get other people to keep throwing stones and stones, and it gets, it, the ripples get so big, they eventually begin, begin to touch each other and create one big ripple. That is the movement that we need to see. That is the movement that I'm asking for. I don't know if you guys are with me. I don't know if you guys really follow what I'm saying. I don't know if, if, if you guys feel this passion. But let me, I just, I just got to tell you, I, I feel this great passion for the people that are out there. The people that are scattered and weary. The people that need this Jesus. And I want to be that one person that sparks a movement. I want to be that one person. Will you join me? Will you join me? Get Jesus to move. Jesus is saying to you today, do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe that I say who I am? That I am who I say that I am? Do you believe that? Do you believe that I am Jesus? And if your answer is yes, I want you to please stand. And we can get the worship team up here.
if you want to be one of the ones that wants to go out there and speak to the weary and scattered, I just ask that you come up here. And symbolically, I want to start a movement. We don't have to belong to the same church, but we belong to the same Jesus. And if you want to be part of this movement, I need you guys to please come up here. Search in your heart. If God is speaking to you, if, if you're hearing God's voice asking you, do you believe that I can do this? I want you to, I want you to come up here. Because we are going to move. We are done sitting down. We are done sleeping. We are fully rested. It is time for us to get up and go. Get up and go and give what we have to those who need it. So I want you to talk to God. Talk to Jesus. Talk to your Lord and tell him, I believe you, Lord. Be like those guys that were blind that they couldn't see. But when he asked them, do you believe that I can do this? They said, yes, Lord. They said, yes, Lord. And I say to him today, I say to him, yes, Lord. Yes, God, I say yes to you. I want to move, Jesus. I want to activate you. I want to activate your movement. I have faith. I'm coming to you with faith and purpose and determination. I'm going to knock at your door. And I know that I'm going to find you. that doesn't know God right now, somebody in your family, a friend, I want you to think about somebody right now. It doesn't have to be just one person, it can be a hundred people, but I want you to think about them right now, and, and right now, church, right now, body of Jesus, right now, what we're going to do is we're going to lift them up, we're going to pray for them, we're going to speak his love over them. So right now, just join me, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, and I ask you, God, I ask, Lord, that you reach my family.